Hello everyone and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. I'm Gary Hoban and I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the Gold Coast. If you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us as we meet together and we share in the word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And more details are available on our website which is www.refinerylife.org. And today we're continuing our series titled The Doctrine of God and we're going to be talking about the City of God. Concentrating today on Psalm 87.3, it says, Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Jerusalem. And the scriptures will work through Psalm 87.1-7. through to 7. It talks about the privileges of citizenship in Zion. Let's read it together. His foundation is on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Jerusalem. I'll mention Rahab, which is Egypt, and Babylon among those who know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born here. But of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born of her. And the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will count when he registers with the peoples. This one was born here, Selah. The singers, as well as the players of flutes, will say, All my springs and sources of joy are in you, Jerusalem, O city of God. Woven into the very fabric of the Bible is the dream of a city to come, the city of God. To the Jews, Jerusalem was a figure, it was a type, it was a symbol of this city of God about which they dimly dreamed. When the psalmist said, Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Jerusalem, he was referring to Jerusalem, obviously. The psalm as a whole makes this clear. But behind the curtain of years, shadows may be seen moving about the external city as light shines through. There's three things about the city of God that can claim our attention. First one is there's a vision of the city. The ancient seers saw that vision. The psalmist of old saw the vision of the city. Psalm 48 was written to commemorate God's deliverance of Jerusalem in the days of King Hezekiah. The angel of death passed in the night through the sleeping Assyrians and left 185,000 dead bodies around the city. The psalmist said in Psalm 48.8, we have, As we have heard, we have also seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish her forever, it says. Earlier, Abraham had seen a city of vision of the city of God. Called out of his own city with only God's promises to lean on, Abraham wandered from place to place following God's will for his life. In Hebrews 11, 9 and 10, the writer's benediction on Abraham is this, By faith he lived as a foreigner in the promised land, as in a strange land, living in tents as nomads with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs to the same promise. Verse 10 it says, For he was waiting expectantly and confidently, looking forward to the city which has foundations, an eternal heavenly city, whose architect and builder is God. This was the most meaningful thing to the Jewish readers who had a history of slavery and exile, and now dispersion with the city of Jerusalem being laid to waste. The eyes of those who belong to the Lord turn to the future, and with Abraham they 
liked for a city whose builder and maker is God. That's what they're looking for. And the prophet Isaiah also saw the vision of the city. Isaiah 26.1 says, what's well, a song of trust in God's protection. It says, in the day this song will be sung in the land of Judah, we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and ramparts. Isaiah describes the glories of the restored city, doesn't he? Where is the city in the, of the prophet's vision and, and when is its glory revealed? Beyond any doubt, Isaiah 60 celebrated the return from captivity. Later generations took this chapter as foretelling their liberation from the oppressors. And in any case, the Jews would answer the place is Jerusalem. And the time is in the near future. But surely the prophet's vision meant much more than that. Suppose the prophet had seen the promise of this chapter literally fulfilled, with Jerusalem the capital of a world empire receiving tribute from afar. Suppose he had seen gold and silver as plentiful as brass and iron. Would these tokens of prosperity have satisfied him? The answer would be no. As I would have said, this is not what God has shown me in the vision. It's only what I've said I had seen because I couldn't describe it more accurately. Now the supernatural light has all gone out of this picture. The religious value of the vision has vanished. Others beside the Jews had their own visions of the city of God. Greek philosophers had their heavens, heavenly city, with which all good men were already subjects. But the vision is too great for the framework in which we try to interpret it. If we ask the average Christian today, where is the city of God and when is its glory to be revealed? They'd probably reply, the time is in the unknown future and the place is beyond the stars. The vision is a real revelation of God. But we do not see it clearly, and we do not understand it completely. We try to find a time and a place for it in our world, or within our own thoughts, to which it does not really belong. And the feature of the city is seen in the vision. Let's, let's have a look at that. You know, how, how can it be identified? What is heaven like? You know, we seek a city that is like family, with God as Father, Jesus as Elder Brother, and Holy Spirit as Comforter. We seek a city where brotherhood prevails. It's a city without walls because no enemies are there and the redeemed dwell together in brotherly love. The city is the full realization of the community of humankind. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.9, But just as it is written in Scripture, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, and that God has prepared for those who love him, those who hold him in affectionate reverence and obey him, and who gracefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. It's a pretty good city to be in by the sound of it. We seek a city that is a moral bastion. It's a fortress of ultimate integrity. The Bible's climatic chapter describes it this way. Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. And nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed will ever enter it. Nor anyone who practices abominations, detestable, morally repugnant things, and lying. But those, but only those, it says, will be admitted whose names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We seek a city that is a workshop. The notion that heaven, or in heaven, will be stretch out eternally on flowery beds of ease 
and life simple has an unquestioned appeal to some, but it's mistaken. Heaven isn't that kind of place. People who have never worked and won't work wouldn't fit in there. They wouldn't like it. The city will be a place of creative and satisfying work for God. Whereas it says in Revelation 22.3, his bondservants will serve and worship him, serving his work. We seek a city where our real citizenship is. Paul told the Philippians in 3.20, we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from there we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian view of the city is of God is realistic. The city of God already penetrates this present life, but has not yet come to fruition. Meanwhile, we must conduct ourselves as citizens of Christ. The vision of that city to come influences the life that we live now. The values of the vision of this in our lives we need to also consider. The vision of that city has strengthened God's great saints throughout the ages. These are where our values come from. The vision of that city sustained the early Christians. The vision of that city gave Christians throughout the centuries the power to rise out of the ashes and rebuild the earthly city. The vision of that city will sustain us today. The vision of that city will not only sustain us, it will give us the power to go on. Once we have seen the vision... Once we've had a glimpse of the city of God, we can go on and on without falter because as Hebrews 13, 14 says, we seek the city which is to come. As you finish up, this is the vision, its features and its values. Let us keep going in the faith, that light, remembering that the lights are on in the Father's house in the city of God waiting for us. And let me encourage you as I do every week, to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him and He can make you whole, spirit, soul and body, if you allow Him to. And you're important to God, you know that already, but you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And until next time, stay in the blessings.